this show, so it's it's a four hour and four minute show. There's four sets in this show. It started around like nine p.m. and then went until like a little bit after two a.m. in the morning. And uh, the sets get longer as they go on. We're only <laughs> doing the first two sets in this show. The fourth set, I think, is about eighty minutes or so. So like, like the fourth set itself is almost like the length of a show. These first two sets are about. I think the first set's about 50 minutes, and the second one is like 40 minutes and change or so. And uh, these, the show essentially, I think, was intended to be a rehearsal for the tour. It was like the first show of 1990. They were doing a lot of songs for the first time. I think at one point... Uh, I forget like what song he says this before, but he says like we're rehearsing the endings tonight. Yeah, I think he says it uh, like before. It's either before or after Political World, like the fifth song. He's like, yeah, we're right. just working on the endings tonight. Which, by the way, Political World, he plays three song. He plays three times in the show, uh, <laughs> and, and and we get one in this part of the show, like in the first two sets. But he also plays it in. Like again in the, in the third set and then in the fourth set. And so in the again, fourth set. oh my yeah, god! So, so just to sort of reiterate that this is like it's a show, but it's also like a rehearsal. So it's like it feels very loose, and uh, you know I think it's a show that is uh, held up in Bob Dylan lore because of how long it is, but also because of like how many different songs he was playing. And I think at, at this particular moment in time, especially. It was unique for for Bob to be playing like this wide range of songs, and he's he's digging deep into his own catalog. Uh, he's playing a lot of covers. Uh, one thing we'll get into as we talk about the show that's funny to me is that you hear one person, and I feel like it's one, the same guy. It might be different people, but I'm gonna just assume it's the same guy, and I'm gonna call him like obvious request guy. <laughs> Because you hear him shouting for Like a Rolling Stone. <laughs> you hear him shouting for All Along the Watchtower. Tangled and, Up in Blue. And for Tangled Up in Blue. And he's, like, shouting for these songs. Meanwhile, like, Bob is playing, you know, Welcome Out in My Shoes. And he's playing, <laughs> you know, One More Cup of Coffee. And he's playing, like, all these Oh Mercy songs. And this guy just wants to hear... Like a Rolling Stone immediately. It's like he's at the wrong Bob Dylan show. <laughs> the worst possible Bob Dylan show for him to yeah. be attending in history. Very. And it's funny, too, because this is a show, and it doesn't really come up in this part of the show, but like in the third and fourth set, Bob actually does take requests from the audience. And maybe we don't want to spoil like what the requests are that he ends up playing later on, because we're going to talk about the second half of the show at some point. I mean, like, one of the requests that he plays, it's hilarious that someone would request this song. It's a Traveling Wilbury song. Yes. I won't say which one. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious that someone would request that specific song. And then Bob actually obliges and, and plays it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a show where I think the line between brilliance and awfulness is very thin yes <laughs> like i think there's a lot of just brilliant moments in the show that i love and then there's other moments where i'm like this is not very good but i can't it's hard for me to parse it because i think that they 
that the badness and the goodness happen simultaneously so often mm. in this show. It's very hard to parse. So we'll get into that with the show. Another thing I want to talk about with this gig before we get into it is G.E. Smith. Yes. Because we haven't, we haven't talked about him yet. He is such an important part of the never-ending tour story. Of course, he was there at the beginning. Um, the, you know, the original band leader, really, of this, uh, of, the, of this tour. And there's a great YouTube video. I think we've probably all seen it. Maybe people who are listening to the show have seen it of like G.E. Smith talking about how he was hired yeah, by Bob Dylan, how he ended up in the show uh, and how essentially the thing that got him into the band was the fact that he knew pretty Peggio, which they like, play, which they play not in this part of the show. We'll get to it, I guess in the second half of, of the toad set, but it was the Saturday night live band essentially supporting Bob at this tryout. It was G.E. Smith. It was Christopher Parker, the drummer. And then it was this guy, T-Bone Walk, was the bass player who ended up not playing with Bob because he was uh, in Daryl Hall's band along with G.E. Smith, like Daryl Hall of Hall & Oates fame. He didn't want to leave Daryl Hall to play with Bob Dylan, so he ended up not playing in the never-ending tour. They had Kenny Aronson was the original bass player, of the Neverending Tour, and then he left, and then Tony Garnier came in. I believe Tony came in. Was that like eighty nine? It must have been the eighty nine or ninety no, or I think so. It was that eighty nine. That Garnier came in, so like he was in the band by the time of this Toads Play show. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I it's interesting this era of the Neverending Tour band in comparison to other errors that we've listened to this is such a bare bones band yes. like it is it is uh you got a guitar player bass player and, and and drums and they are playing pedal to the metal versions of these songs and it's part of the fascination of this show i think because it's such an unsubtle band you know like there's not a lot of nuance to the uh arrangements of these songs and <laughs> it's part of what makes this era so unique and it's what i love about it but also i think i don't know it's like a sledgehammer treatment to a lot of these songs there's no like lighter touches brought to these songs it's just really heavy slamming it down and uh bob his vocals being very hit or miss <laughs> over yeah. it but at the same time, though, they are kind of limber in that, like, whatever that frequency is, as much as it lacks subtlety, it seems like they're in some kind of a groove of just, like, continuing to go. Like, they can just go and go and go, and they can throw songs in there. What you lose in precision, you do gain in sheer variety and, uh, I guess, a sense of gameness to just let this thing just roll it's an exciting show to listen to i think um you know it's there's no question it's advanced listening you know there's a reason that we've taken a little bit of time to work up to this um and i think this is the earliest never-ending tour show that we've done uh, uh up to this point i think you know before this it was 92 um you know you think of that waikiki 92 show that we did a while ago another evan special um that uh it was sort of just a tough hang and pretty turgid uh, from beginning to end. 
and and compare that against you know what you get here on toads you know there there are moments of this show that are just as bad if not worse than that waikiki show but there are also moments in the show that i think are maybe not like the best i've ever heard but like honestly really great and really exciting and and you kind of go from one to the other in the at the drop of a hat in the span of 2 seconds uh and that's what's so kind of rewarding about listening to it because you can hear it in the you can hear the music you can hear it in bob himself like all of a sudden he's like he's into it he's found something he's latched on to something that means something to him at this moment in time and and it's just a firecracker performance you know uh then there are other songs in between those instances that uh, are just a little a little bit of a tough hang i'm thinking of a couple in particular um but um it's uh it's a very dynamic up and down always interesting kind of uh kind of performance and i also just love hearing them as a four-piece unit just like guitar you know lead guitar rhythm guitar bass guitar drums that's it um and uh you know it, it really is just one guitarist for the most part ge smith and bob is just doing you know the same way that he does his pounding on the piano today flourishing uh, uh the songs that he plays live in 2023 the, he's treating his electric guitar during this set about the same way he's not really bothering to try to uh you know fit into the melody or the tempo it's kind of just stabs at what's going on it's a it's honestly like a raw kind of like almost indie rock sound i, I really dig it yeah uh well what do you dig most should we get into pretty good stuff well um we've got our watchtower check uh to begin mm. well what do you think <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't you know uh here it is once again the very end of the set uh the second set at least um you know it's Watchtower. It's fine. I don't. I don't know that I have much to say about this one besides it's here, and it's not surprising to see. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a a, a tease because we, the song right after it, which we won't get to, I don't think it, we. That's where our second set cuts off. Yes. Yes. So yeah, it's uh, it things really blow up uh in a positive way after that. Yeah, the third and fourth sets, you're really kind of like Bob is going big brain mode. So one, when we when we come back, when we return to Toads, we're gonna have a whole lot oh, of fun. Return there. to but Toads this... is gonna be like a real <laughs> great episode for. It's gonna be a val- valid victory for all of us. But uh, yeah, I, it, this is all along the Watchtower. The the song after it is Tight Connection to My Heart. So I mean, like, that's your enticement for Toads Two, Return of Toads. It's gonna be good stuff. Um. Steven, do you have comments on all along the watchtower? <laughs> Not really. I mean, again, I think it's hilarious that there's a guy, very audible, a very audible person in the audience who is like calling out for that song, as well as these like other very obvious Bob Dylan hits that he's not going to play in the show. I guess he does play all along the watchtower, but he. I can't remember if he plays Like a Rolling Stone later on or not. That's the very last song. Song 50 of Toads is ro- <laughs> it's Like a Rolling Stone. So so that guy, he had to be very patient because, again, this is like a four-hour show. <laughs> uh, so he had to wait a long time. It's like if you're at a Dylan show you're and you're yelling out for like a rolling stone in like the first hour i feel like you're uh you're a little misguided i think we can assume um, that guy did not make it to the end of the fourth set well i don't know i mean this this audience 
I think part of the the vibe of the show is that the audience is like really into it, and uh, they are audibly excited, uh, like throughout the gig. And you know, as I was listening to the show, I, I was like looking at photos of of, of Toad's place because I was just, just like kind of trying to recreate in my mind what this show must have been like. And like on the website for Toad's Place, it's it's described as Connecticut's premier nightclub. <laughs> and it is like a well-known place. Like a lot of people have played there over the years. I, you know, it's, a, it's like a well-established music venue in Connecticut. But like the exterior as well as the interior, it, it, it just looks like a corner bar. Like it it's looks a like, a very, like a very basic place. So the fact that, that Dylan was playing there uh, in in 90, uh, even at that point in his career, which, again, he wasn't at a high point, although he was coming up off of Oh Mercy, you know, the very critically acclaimed record. I mean, he was playing bigger venues than this, certainly, in, in, in 90. It's a 1,000 uh, capacity uh, uh, spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've seen varying... Uh, numbers for the capacity i've seen a thousand i've also seen like 700 750 like i I wonder if it was smaller in 90 than it was than it is now like maybe it's been expanded in the in the 30 years since like contemporary reports like there's a rolling stone review of this show that was written at the time it's also written about in uh, the Clinton Halen book uh, that I have, A Life in Stolen Ooh, Moments. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Day by day. Well, and he writes very positively ab- about this show. And I think at the time, people like looked at this as like a great Dylan show because of the variety of the set list, because it was so loose and different. You know, I I think that people's expectations of what Dylan was like live is maybe a little bit different like then compared to now. I think that this show was definitely looked at as like, wow, it's amazing that he did this show. You know, it, it just as an experience of Bob Dylan digging this deep into his catalog. And again, like when we do the return to toads, I think the second half of the show is especially, uh, bonkers i don't know know what the word is yeah like yeah there's some crazy moments going on uh you know that that that, you know was like pretty exciting uh for for people at the time but uh you know going into the pretty good stuff for me i mean again i think you have to start with the set list itself being pretty good stuff it and even like by modern standards this is like a very adventurous set list it's all over the place um you know digging into like all these covers I personally was 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 uh, happy to hear him play "Oh Babe It Ain't No Lie," mm. which is a song that he ended up playing at the end of the '90s. Actually, the first Dylan show I ever saw, he played this song. This is a traditional kind of like gospel folk song. The first show I ever saw Dylan play in Duluth in July of 1999, he did this song, and it was a much different version. It was you know sort of like a folky version of it and this is like more of like a blown out rock version
Uh, so that was cool to hear for me. I mean, I think the songs that jump out immediately to my ears are the Oh Mercy songs. Yeah. Uh, we already referenced Political World, which he plays several times in the show. I think the Political World is so good. I, I really love it a lot. I also think that the version of What Was It You Wanted, which I actually have in my Budokan moment category, but Mm. I'll mention it now. That's another song that I think just rocks really hard and I and I and I like it quite a bit. I'm also going to shout out Man of Peace yeah. as being a song that, <laughs> wow. that, that... Wait, wait, you don't like Man of Peace? I'm going to come back to Man of Peace. <laughs> you got I really, it. See, I, I, I really... Okay, I'm curious to hear if you're going to like not like that. I really liked that performance, and I like that he dug that song out uh, for this. And I think he actually makes a reference before that, that this is like one of my religious songs. Yeah. Sure uh, which is uh, you know a sardonic comment to make about that, um, but uh, yeah, I really like that song a lot too. So like the oh, Mercy songs, Man of Peace, and then I'll say like a lot of the covers that he does. Uh, like Everybody's moving. Another song, uh, another cover song. I think that works really well for me. It's interesting to hear him do Trouble No More, which of course he ends up rewriting as uh, Someday Baby. Someday Baby. Yeah. Someday Baby. On uh, Modern Times. So, yeah, those songs jump out for me. I think those are all great choices. I agree. Yeah, I I, I also liked Man of Peace. And wow. uh, I, I liked... Yeah, I mean... I, see, uh, see, Ian, okay. Okay, let's let's get into this now, Ian, yeah, because you're doing let's like do the it. wow. You're doing a lot of side comments. You're acting like it's self-evident that that's not very good. But now you're already outvoted on that being... Like strong, so like what what is your deal with that song? I get to be the joker for once. <laughs> 